commentary. It helps us understand our great game. But there's some commentary that's rarely heard. The commentary inside the players' heads. In this series, we take you inside the demons' minds. The highs, the lows, and the psychological side of the game. This is the Melbourne Mindset, brought to you by IG. Thanks for this, Jack. No worries, hey? A life of footy, was it always what you wanted to do? Yes, yep. Um, never wanted to be an astronaut, a policeman, fireman, uh, from as early as I can remember. And maybe my old man had something to do with this, you know, growing up in the change rooms. Um, but yes, from, from the earliest memory, all I wanted to do was be, you know, an AFL football player. Did you realise how influential and how brilliant your old man was, sort of captain, 233 games, team of the century, or were you always just Todd's son? No, I think that's something I've grown to appreciate and understand more as I've gotten older. As a, as a young tacker, he was just my dad. Um, but yeah, as, as I'm older, even now, um, understanding how hard AFL football is, um, looking back and reflecting upon his career, um, yeah, I just find more and more appreciation and admiration for the career my old man had. A lot of parents are hoping their kids will do X, Y or Z. I guess Todd was probably hoping you'd follow in his footsteps. Did he push you in any direction or let you find your own path? He, he never pushed me, um, but he understood. When, when I made the decision that AFL was what I wanted to do and that's where my, my talent was and... Um, when I was, was asking my old man for pointers, you know, he was, he was like, okay, well, you know, what are the best, best ways of, of helping you achieve your goals uh, and dreams and aspirations? So um, he was always, you know, pretty hands-on and um, forthcoming with his advice uh, as, a, as a young tacker growing up. What were his pearls, his wisdoms? One that stands out in my head is you have to be deserving of success. Um, and that's around your habits, your training habits, your work ethic. Um, you know, you have to give up certain things. If you want to be um, successful at the elite level, you have to make sacrifices. So, you know, as a young, young guy, you know, I thought I was not drinking until I was 18. Um, you know, not going to certain parties because I had football the next day. Um, you know, I, I, would, I would make certain thing, uh, sacrifices growing up. You know, I made sure I was the hardest trainer at... at um, at local training, um, these are certain things that probably my teammates at the time thought was, you know, I was a bit, bit out there or a bit, bit different, but they were just, you know, the pearls of wisdom from my dad saying, you know, when you get to the elite level, you've got to be ready, you've got to be, um, you know, standing out amongst the crowd, you've got to be the hardest worker. So these were things that I was chipping away at um, when, you know, before it probably came into a lot of other people's uh, or kids my age mind. How old were you when you started to take things seriously and start to sacrifice? Yeah, I think pivotal moment in my, my youth um, and making that decision to really go after footy came when I made the under 12 state team. Um, Andrew Nickel was my coach and it was the first time, you know, we got given a, a pamphlet or a booklet where it was, you know, Tuesday night you go home and do 30 touches um, before games, make sure you drink certain amount of litres of water. And it was all this stuff. It wasn't just football became more than just going out for two hours on the weekend and 
having fun with your mates, it became, you know, there's certain things during the week to help set you up for playing well. And I really enjoyed that, um, you know, playing, you know, that's the highest level you can play at uh, as a 12 year old is representing your state. We went over, over to Darwin, um, which is completely foreign to a Melbourneian as my, uh, such as myself um, and, and playing against other states, the best kids in the country. So that whole experience really taught me that there's another levels to go to and achieve and that excited me. It's interesting now when you look at the under 12s in whatever sport it is, people are starting to focus in on their individual sport and those that do are clearly standing out. I remember listening to Kobe Bryant, he said, be better at the end of each day. And if you can do that each week and then each month and each year, it's amazing where you end up in two or three years, five years, 10 and 15. And it seems a very simple concept, just be better at the end of the day. But if you actually break it down and make it as simple as that, the process becomes a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something we're still at the elite level now. At 11 years in my, my career, we're still focusing on the process. Because um, you, yeah, like you said, you get that kind of compounding effect and it's amazing what you can achieve um, if you stick to your process and particularly at an early age, you get, you get the full benefits of the, uh, the compounding. Yeah. So um, yeah, that was a decision I, I made pretty early on uh, as, a young, as a young guy to really hone in on, on football. A life of discipline means a life of sacrifice. What is it that you found most difficult or has it been pretty easy given the internal drive? Yeah, I think it's been pretty easy for, for myself because of, of that drive like you spoke about. It, it was my full focus was on being an AFL player, being a really good AFL player at a young age. So my, my drive and my motivation, you know, those sacrifices became easy for me. Um, certainly made it challenging when you're out on a Friday night uh, you know, at a house party at 16 years old, lots of temptations, but uh, you know, the, the consistent drive of just wanting to be a better player. Um, you know, mentioned Kobe, um, you know, trying to play my best football every weekend, it, it kind of broke it down for me, made it, those sacrifices a little bit easier. When you observe the highest performers in the world at any level, at any sport, what do you see as becoming the common sort of constant? Um, it's no surprise, and this is something my, my dad drilled into me as a uh, um, you know, 10, 12 year old was, and I, I'm seeing it now, is the guys who work the hardest are the, the luckiest. Um, they, they deserve what they get, and you, know, you see guys like Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, Max Gorn, uh, they, they're having stellar careers, and it's, it's no surprise that they're also the hardest workers. They put the most time into their bodies on their days off. Um, you know, they're getting the most out of themselves um, when they're at training. So it's just a good reinforcement of the life lessons my dad learned to uh, playing football and going through his career. And it's something that I'm continuing to see pop up in, in my career. How is the Viney name to carry? For some, it gets heavy. For others, they don't even know it's there. Where did you sit on that? I didn't really know it was there. I, you know, I was always really present in trying to forge my own career, my own path. So, whilst I was aware of, um, you know, as I got older and you know, 17, 18, I was aware that 
Uh, my dad was a really good free player. Um, he's created an opportunity for me to go father-son to, to the D's. You know, it didn't really affect, uh, I didn't feel a lot of pressure or expectation as a, as a 18 year old coming into the football club. It was very much, all right, well, I've got an opportunity in front of me and, uh, in front of me and how can I add to the Viney legacy at the Melbourne Football Club? Speaking of dreams, when you're a kid, you dream of playing AFL football and you dream of coming off the ground, having kicked the goal after the siren or to standing ovation. Sometimes at Melbourne, that wasn't the case. You'd come off and it was hostile. And I assume on Monday morning, it was difficult to get out of bed to go into the coffee shop. Take us through the dark days of Melbourne. I remember, I remember the, the draft process, uh, you know, speaking to the Melbourne Football Club the year before I got drafted and we weren't in, we weren't in good shape. Um, you know, I think we'd been beaten by 200 points down at... Uh, down in Geelong, uh, we lost Dean Bailey. Uh, the club was was not in great shape, and um, I knew that you know to be a successful team, to be part of a team, we we had to you know, something had to change at Melbourne Football Club. And being a young, naive, eighteen-year-old, full of confidence, you know, I thought I could be a catalyst for for that. You know, I, I wanted to get in there, get my hands dirty, and really try and help the club move forward. So. That was my intention going into the into the days was now we need we need to we need to change and then um, you know we go through a really strong preseason we get lots of young draft picks um, you know myself Jimmy Tumpus a um, couple of young guys and we you know gifted debuts straight off the off the bat and you know come out against Port and we get beaten by 80 points I think. And then the next week's about 150 points against Essendon. And uh, I remember after that Essendon game, walking off the ground and I'm hearing this booing from the, the crowd. And I remember say, uh, talking to someone, I was like, I don't remember the umpires being that bad. You know, I'm thinking they're booing the umpires. But then as we get closer to the race, you know, you see the D's fans kind of leaning over the race, you know, then they're throwing their scarves and memberships at us and hurling all kinds of abuse. And as an 18-year-old, I was kind of happy to play. I was like, you know, I just played on the MCG. Um, still a dream come true. But, you know, as we got down the race, I'm seeing my teammates, um, seeing your players actually crying. And uh, that was a bit of an eye-opener. Uh, and then, you know, the, the same theme throughout the year. Uh, you know, we lost us. Mark Neal ended up getting... Um, you know, losing his job halfway through the year. So the pressure just continued to mount um, and it, it became quite a, um, you know, not a fun space to come work during the day. You know, you're getting door stopped by media as you come into the door about, you know, why are you guys so bad? Um, is your coach going to lose his job? So, yeah, it, it was just a negative environment. Um, it's hard to get up and motivated during the start of the day to, to face that. But you know, luckily I was young and playing AFL football, so I still had that, uh, you know, that drive to get up and, and want to try and get better every day. Did you, yeah. did, did you early on associate performance with identity? Oh, of course. Yeah. Less now? Less now. You know, you, as a young guy, you, you buy into social media, um, you're reading everything that you find on yourself, and, you know, it's that one little bit of praise that get, gets you coming back because um, you just want to feel validated, you want to feel... You know, special and um, 
you know, respected. Um, and then uh, over time, I've realised that, um, you know, my, my emotion, is, it, it's kind of, um, it's either down, down here if people don't rate you and then if you, if you get some praise, you, you're almost you're on top of the world and these highs and lows were so extreme that it just wasn't sustainable for your mental health. So I've kind of learned over my career to, to really just hone in on my family, my day-to-day, you know, what, what I enjoy. I, I don't read newspapers, I don't have Twitter, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I felt like that's helped kind of balance out that, those emotional highs and lows. And, and that's something that um, I've learned, that's something I've learned over the career, but uh, things still find their ways of, of creeping in and can have impacts on, on your mental health. I remember someone explaining it to me you're in a big room and there's a few doors. One door is family and friends. You love going in there. The other is movies and music. Terrific go in there. Food and stuff you like drinking, third door. Sports door. There's a door there with snakes and alligators and poisons and toxins. Would you ever go in there? No. no. For me, that's social media. Yeah. And that's why I'm not. I'm just not wired to be able to cope with negativity. So I assume you're the same. There's Charlotte and there's Todd, Meg, close friends listen to them, take advice from them. The rest is sort of talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, of course. And I see young guys uh, make these mistakes, which I did at that age. Um, Do you tell them to avoid it now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, why would you even put yourself in that situation to get, um, you know, people's opinions affect you and bring you down? Uh, even, even with my wife, um, you know, she, she loves getting on, on social media. Um, and reading her comments and this and that, and you know, she got one bad comment. I thought, why would, why would you Destroys do it? Destroys you. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's bad people out there, and they want to tell you what their thoughts are. Um, but you know, it's something that I've learned over 11 years of this stuff, continually, you know, being bombarded with it. Um, whereas, you know, my wife, it's, it's she doesn't get that um, all the time, and these young guys have, uh, they haven't got it for, for years and years. So, everyone's at different stages of. Yeah of picking that up, I guess. Do you ever get comfortable as an AFL player? I remember speaking with Chris Judd, he said at the start, you're desperate to get selected and get a game. And then when you do, you're trying to make sure you get another one. Then you become Brownlow medalist. And you're trying to maintain the top of the tree sort of feel. And then you know there's a gradient yeah. coming. So he said at no point do you actually ever get comfortable. I can, I can, yeah. I never won a brown. I haven't won a brown load, but um, you've won the best yeah. of various. You've won a brown. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've I've got players like Christian Petrarca, Clayton Oliver in my midfield. So just having having those people in there, it's like I can't. I need to continue to get better and strive. So yeah, not one point have I felt comfortable um, and complacent uh, playing football. I've always felt there's levels of my game to go and. Almost my greatest fear would be finishing an AFL career and not having maximised my talent or my opportunity. So that continually drives me. And as you get closer to the back end of your career, it almost becomes heightened because you're running out of time. Um, so you just try and squeeze everything you can out of yourself. Two daughters, they need a medallion in each. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Nah, plenty of motivation and, and fire in the belly to, to create some some more some more memories for the family really enjoyed the, the chat me too Thank thanks you, hamish what a great insight into how jack's been able to build a career that has rivaled his father's 
He's forged his own path and overcome plenty of pressure along the way, as important for players as it is for traders. So whether it's in the markets or on the field, mastering your mindset is a vital way to help you perform at your best. For Melbourne's official trading partner, IG, this is the Melbourne Mindset.